Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Good morning, church family. So grateful for you guys being here this morning. I've got your Bibles, Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 is where we're going to be, so you can flip there or scroll there, however it is that you get there. Uh, Genesis chapter 3. And so this morning, we're going to answer a question. How and why did God create us? And And even more specifically than that, Bro, you don't know my sin, you don't know my struggles, you don't know my addictions, you don't know the things that pester me. And so to live in light of who God created me to be is exceptionally difficult. And so we want to talk about that this morning. And while you're turning there, I just want to make a mention about merch. Listen, I love it. I think it's great. I want this logo to be the Nike swoosh of Sevier County, okay? Um, I love it. I think it's great. Uh, Also, designed it, so if you hate it, Don't tell me, okay? Uh, I love it. I think it's great. I think it's wonderful. You're going to buy a shirt anyway. So, um, and and so might as well buy our stuff. I love this. We're nearly, uh, I I know uh, uh, Pastor David said this, but uh, we're nearly $1,000 in to to raising money for missions. I I mean, that's great. And we're mobilizing our merch to the mission place, okay? And so, like, we we love that and we think it's great. Um, It makes your coffee sweeter. We'll do whatever we got to, okay? Um, it's, It's wonderful. And I've heard from you guys. Listen, I hear you. I see you. You're heard. You need bigger mugs, okay? I don't understand. Some of you, you got a problem, okay? Uh, for some of you, a uh, uh, coffee keg, that doesn't exist. We can't do that, but if we could, we would, okay? Uh, hey, listen, some of you, hey, we need bigger size shirts and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, hey, listen, the fact that we're in Tennessee and Alabama, they don't even wear shoes. So, uh, like, the fact that we're wearing shirts, huge plus. Um, but listen, uh, and we understand some of our uh, larger-headed brothers and sisters with the hats. I mean, you're, you're busting at the sea. I get it, okay? I get it. We'll, we'll look into some stretchy ones. But here's the thing. Mom, we cannot do flasks or shot glasses. I mean, I mean, we can do a lot of things, but I mean, goodness gracious, if you see my mom out in the lobby, she hugs, she says, how's your family? By the way, let's talk to the pastors and elders. Can we get this done? No, we're not doing any of that, okay? Uh, just coffee. That's the, that's the craziest thing we get. So this morning, this morning, uh, super grateful to have the opportunity to speak with you. A couple things I want us to do, okay? Um, I love this question of how and why God created us. I, I, think, it's, I think it's hugely beneficial for us. And, and I find this, um, this question and answer uh, where we're going to get a lot of what we're talking about this morning, especially with the question and the answer, how and why did God create us? And the answer is from, the, from something called a, uh, a catechism. Now, any of my Presbyterian and Catholic brothers and sisters would understand what I'm talking about when I say a catechism. Uh, catechism, or uh, the process of teaching a catechism, which is catechesis, is, um, is the process of using a question and answer based system of teaching children the truths about God's word, much like you would use a flashcard in high school when you had the question on one side and the answer on the other. It, it is a phenomenal uh, method of teaching kids scripture memory. It's, and listen, uh, it, this has been going on. This is new. This has been going on for hundreds of years. Uh, new City, uh, Timothy Keller's church came out and did something called the New City Catechism. It's, it's really great. It's an app on your phone. Uh, parents, my, my daughter, she's five. You ask her, what is your greatest hope in life and death? She'll say, I'm, I'm not my own, but I belong body and soul, heart and mind to Christ. I mean, that's just helpful. And you know what? They're songs. Because, I mean, it's either let it go or, or doctrine. We're just going for the doctrines. So, uh, really great. Well, the fourth question of this catechism um, is this. How and why did God create us? And the answer, uh, which all these things are from Scripture, teach us great, is this. 
God created us, male and female, in his own image, to know him, to love him, to live with him, and to glorify him. And it is right that we who were created by God should live to his glory. Now listen, that's great. I mean, I think about how beautiful that is, how, how beautiful the truth that is, that we've been crafted and created by a God who loves us. I mean, I think we oftentimes look past that and forget that um, and, and think that we've grown beyond our creator. That is not the case. We have been crafted. You and I have been crafted uniquely by our creator. I love this. In Genesis 127, it says this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. So how did God create us? Male and female. Listen, I get it. We're 2021. That's difficult. And listen, I never thought we'd get to a time, but it's difficult. Where, where um, that, that what you were born as gender-wise is oppressive and it's burdensome and it is a prison for you and it, and it restricts your freedom. But can I just encourage you that Christ has made male and female with freedom and beauty and uniqueness. It's, it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's beautiful. God created us. And not only did he create male and female, we're not just talking about uh, for whatever uh, pleasures you seek and, and for procreation and making babies. Look, the Lord knew that wasn't good for man to be alone. He knew that we needed community. Listen, my wife's not just the, the thing that produces my children. No, no, my wife is my best friend. My wife is part of my community. I love her. I love her. My, my little babies that are growing up, they're part of my community. Now, they're, they're horrific uh, most of the time. They're, they're horrifying to me. Uh, listen, uh, no joke, we're, we're sitting there, and we're at my mother-in-law's house in Coleman, Alabama. I drove in yesterday, just keep looking for houses and lands. We'll just take that in the name of Jesus. And so, uh, listen, I just know my, my mother-in-law looks at me. She's so sweet, Miss Pam. She's great. But her house is always in pristine condition. And there's Legos, and for some reason, a ton of pennies and dimes all over the place. Um, there's a pull-up that I think was used three weeks ago underneath some beautiful, ornate piece of furniture. I love my kids. They're insane, but they're part of my community. I love them. I have to keep them by law. I have to keep them, right? I love them. I love them. God created us for community, not just to do this whole life solo. No, no. He calls us into community. Not only that, he creates us male and female as we complement one another and we, we serve one another and we build community. But he also uh, uh, created us in his image. And I know Pastor Anthony talked on this, but I just want to reiterate some things. I think the, I think the idea that we bear the image of God is, is much more beautiful and weightier and more applicable to our lives than we ever give it credit for. I love the idea of bearing an image we think about this and we look at statues. We look at statues all the time that bear the image of something. Um, I've been uh, to Beijing and I've been to uh, 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 Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, and I've seen all these beautiful statues. I've been to third world countries like Tuscaloosa where you walk through near Bryant-Denny Stadium and um, you, you see their pagan gods like Nick Saban who's standing there, um, who's in the act. He's not, he's not just standing there waving. Or, no, he's in the act of coaching. Uh, you go to LSU and, and you look outside of their basketball arena and what do you see? You see Shaq doing what? Dunking. He's not just holding a book. He's, he's shattering a rim. And so what happens is, is that uh, when you're looking at statues, if, as you're looking at these images, their job is for when you and I look at them, it's to portray 
the image and the likeness of the one whose image it's copying, right? Of the one whose image it bears. And so God creates us, male and female, distinct, equal, but not the same, right? Unique in the way that we serve one another. And both of us, Adam and Eve, both bear the image of God. How beautiful that we both, even in our uniqueness, we bear the image of God. And what we're supposed to do is when people look at us, they see the very one whose image we bear. And why did he create us? To know him, to love him, to live with him and to glorify him. How awesome does that sound? I mean, you and I get stirred by music and by conferences and we go, man, that's a really good concept. But they had it with no distractions. There wasn't anything else warring out their soul. Like, doesn't it happen every day? where something wars against you. You're, you're thinking about Jesus and you're thinking about, man, I need to spend time with him and know him and love him. All of a sudden, in the deepest depths of your soul, your flesh rises up with a full-on assault against you. They didn't have that. I mean, they, they knew him and they were known by him. They knew him purely and, and, and they sought him. They knew him, and what happened as they knew him and as they were known by him, what happened? They had great love and delight for the Lord. Can you imagine a time? Not only that, they lived with him. They were walking up in gardens with him, right? They were in gardens, walking with him, talking with him, right? And so there's this beauty of being able to live with God, and they were having this experience. Oh, and how easy is it when you glorify God when you're just with him and there's no sin in the world? Hey, can I just, real quick, we'll just pause, step away. Church, that is, hey, I want to remind all the redeemed in the room, that sounds great in the past, but let me reassure you that that is also our future, <laughs> that for us who are redeemed, like that sounds really good. Uh, long for that because it's coming, okay? Uh, one day he comes back, all this is just gonzo beans and we're with him, right? That's a great hope of ours. Uh, we need to be the most hopeful people in any room that we go in, Okay, uh, and so because he's going to, anyways, it's really great and awesome. Back to the sermon. So um, here's the thing. God does this. He designs us. He, he allows us to know him. And as a result of that, he then gives us a purpose. What was our purpose is um, that he gives us the image. And as image bearers, what he does is, is because we bear the image of God and he's given us authority, um, he has called us to take that image and not just keep it, but to go out and bear that image to the world. So let me, let me show you this. If you're not a Bible reader, by the way, the Bible's the coolest thing in the entire world. It's unbelievable. It's unimaginable how perfect it lines up from Genesis to maps. Read your Bible. So um, Genesis 128 says this, And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So, I don't know if you've ever even thought to this. What in the world was outside the garden? Because something existed outside the garden. What was it? Well, we know this sin hadn't entered into the world yet. Here's what we, here's what we know. That until God created and filled a space, it was partially created. I mean, if you look at the days of creation, uh, the first few days are then filled by the next few days, and it's this beautiful moment. You see this in, in, in the very beginning of the creation, that uh, 
that the earth was formless and void. It wasn't bad. It wasn't sinful, but it was just simply disordered. And so what do we know? Outside the garden was not sinful and, and, and dark, but outside that garden where, where God had not yet sent his image bearers, it was disordered. And so what does God do? He says, in the image of my son, in, or the image of who I am, in which you bear, you are going to go from this garden. The garden was never supposed to be their forever home. They were intended to go from the garden and to Edenize the rest of the world, to bring order, to subdue and to make and to build and to, and to subdue the rest of the earth. And they were able to do that because of the image and the authority that they had based on the God that they loved and served. But we never made it out of the garden. We didn't. Sin enters into the world. Sin enters in. And, and, and all of a sudden, it's unbelievable. And this is just so crazy if you look at the Bible. What did he just say? That you will have dominion over the birds of the air and the fish of the sea and over everything that crawls over the ground. You're going to Edenize the entire planet. And what happens? We are deceived by one of the very things that we had dominion over. And now, we, instead of dominating and, and controlling and being able to uh, rule over creation, creation tricks us. And the serpent deceives us. And we give in to our greatest passion, which is ourselves. And now, instead of going forth in the image of God to bring order where there's disordered, we are now the ones who are disordered. To know God and to love Him and to live with Him now our greatest hopes in life are to know my truest self by whatever I, and that is determined and dictated by whatever I feel. To love me in whatever, whatever way or process I must get to, to love myself most. You know what, listen, I just need to love myself for right now. That goes against what God's called us to. And to, listen, I, I don't know about living with God, but I'm telling you right now, to live with me is the greatest joy of any of your lives. And I want you to know this, my single greatest motivation in life, no matter what I have to do, who I have to hurt, what, however much money I have to make, whatever, is to glorify myself. We turn everything on its head. And that's what sin does. And so now we're faced with the question of, that's really cool when you're talking about a sinless world. We can walk with him and talk with him. And you're sitting there talking about how we have no sinful, but how in the world, even as a believer today, can I walk in the purpose God created me for when I've got so much struggle, when I've got sin and secrets it would blow your mind about, when my marriage is anything but in order, when my kids are anything but respectful, when my finances are anything that, that would honor the Lord. You don't know what I've had to do to get to the places I am. You don't know the things that when I open my eyes in the morning, they flood me like an army of darkness that seek to rip out anything good in me. And you say, what do you expect me to do? How, how is it possible for us to live in that purpose and live in that plan that God would create us for when there's sinfulness? I love the scriptures. Listen, it's hard for you to appreciate and love Jesus without knowing and loving his word, I'm telling you, it's mind-blowing. I just love it. It's not just some random things that a few guys got together and put together and like, oh, this is inspired and it's great. No. 
I'm telling you, it tells a single story, and it's beautiful about the redemption that comes through Christ. Let me show you something. Because here's the thing. If I'm God, a couple things I do. No Alabama, and, 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 and probably uh, Tennessee actually is good for, for a couple, 20 years. I'm a terrible God, okay? That was the only things I could think of. I didn't address gas shortages or not being homeless anymore. I went straight to football. I'm a terrible God, right? I'm an awful God. And you know what? When I see that you disrespect or you rebel against what I've designed you for in my graciousness, I'm going straight Thanos and I'm snapping my fingers and not just half, all of y'all are gone. That's what I do. Magic giant glove with ruby things, boom, gone. But rather, what do we see that happens with God? In the midst of our darkness and our rebellion, instead of forgetting or Thanos snapping, Rather, what does he do? The beauty of the scriptures are this trail of redemption that doesn't just lead us, doesn't just lead us into darkness and rebellion for the rest of my, our lives, but rather, just like we see in Genesis, as we've been called to bear God's image, and Adam and Eve were called to bear God's image, and they failed, what would God do? He would send his son, the only one who could actually bear the image of God without, without uh, faltering and failing because he is God. He would bear that image perfectly and come do what Adam and Eve were unable to do. We see this. I love this. Listen, when we, when we look at Scripture, when we're looking at Scripture, I want you to understand this, that there are things that you read in Scripture when you're reading. And you go, oh my gosh, I heard that before. That may, is that a connection? Listen, the, the scriptures are done so beautifully by the inspiration of the Spirit that when we read it, there are going to be certain things that uh, beckon our minds back to the Old Testament. Uh, listen, I tell our students, you can't just divorce yourself from the Old Testament. It's like starting the movie up in the middle of the movie. Where in the world did that talking dog come from? Who's that old man? Why is he so sad? How did he get all those balloons? Who is Kevin? Why is there an ostrich? Like all the, like you're like, I don't understand the context of where I'm at, right? And you don't understand. But if you've actually watched the entire movie of Up, you're going, oh my gosh, I know him. I know he's struggling. I know he lost her. And I know he's on, and, and you feel, you can see the whole story. And so here's what we see in uh, what God is doing. If you don't know this, you don't look back at the Old Testament, you miss it. That instead of just Thanos snapping, Rather, God would, would do a new work in very familiar ways. Instead of that, God would actually seek the redemption of his people rather than just leaving them to despair. Isaiah 43, 19 says this, Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth, do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. What we begin to see in the scriptures and what we begin to see in the New Testament, what all the Old Testament's pointing to is that in our rebellion and now us being disordered, God seeks to reorder what's dis, uh, what is disordered. And he has a plan, and it's a new plan, but it happens in very familiar ways. I mean, look at it. Look, he has, the very same, um, he has the very same method for creation. We know this in Genesis 1, 1 through 3. It says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. What, what did we see? We saw that the earth was formless. It was disordered, wasn't it? Right? 
we see that um, the Spirit of God is there hovering over the waters. That the voice of God comes out and that the Word of God is spoken. Listen, when you and I read the New Testament, we read Jesus' baptism. Even when we look in John 1, it says this, and the Word became flesh. The very Word that was present at creation became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Matthew 3, when we read the baptism of Jesus, it has so much Genesis 1 language, we should, our minds should just hearken back to it. It says this, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went out of the water, and behold, the heavens were open, and the Spirit of God descended like a dove. And he had come up out of the water. So now you have the very Word of God, present creation, where? In waters, being hovered around by what? The Holy Spirit that hovered over the waters in creation. And what do you have come out of heaven? But the voice of God saying, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. God is doing a new work. He's doing a new work. However, he's doing it in familiar ways. This recreation process that we once destroyed with our sin and rebellion, God says, no, I'm going to make things new. We see the same thing with life. We see that uh, Genesis 2, 7 says this, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Isn't this crazy that, um, you know, Adam was formed. He was there in the ground. He was fully formed, had all of his organs, had everything he needed. Yet he was lifeless. What does the scripture say about us? Aren't we dead in our sin and trespasses? We may have all of our organs. We may have everything that we need, but yet without the very breath of God in us, we're lifeless. And so what do we see? The very perfect image bearer who is God himself, Jesus, comes. He lives on this planet bearing perfectly the image you and I uh, messed up and smudged with our selfishness. Seeking God's glory, not even his own. Going, and what does he do? He's bringing order to where there's disorder. Oh, listen, your eyes are disordered. Let me bring sight. Uh, Oh, your ears are disordered. Let me bring uh, hearing. Uh, And he's bringing order to where there's disorder. He then dies on a cross and victoriously raises from the dead, defeating death, hell, and the grave. And what does he say to you and I? He says, you're dead in your sins. And and when you and I receive the good news of the gospel and we trust and we put our faith and our allegiance in Jesus, what happens? He breathes in us new life. He's doing new things in familiar ways. And so now what do we have? What do we have? We have, we, we find ourselves as people, once again, who have been given life Life everlasting from the God that we serve. Restoring to us the image that we bear, that our sin and our shame has tarnished. He now gives us new life. He doesn't just make our old self better. He makes us brand new. And he gives us this. and He he makes us brand new. and And all of a sudden we're looking and going, oh my gosh. When we read that, we go, he's giving us, he's doing it again. He's creating again. He's giving life again. Which means this, our job that he's given us is reinstated. We were called to go Edenize the rest of the world and bring order where there's disorder in the name of Jesus, by the image that we bear, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to the glory of God, right? And we failed. But now what? 
The Redeemer has given us life, thus redeeming our purpose. And so doesn't the Great Commission not sound like an Eden edict to go multiply and subdue and have dominion over the earth? Listen, and Jesus came and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And surely... I will be with you to the end of the age. And so how beautiful is it that Christ would see fit to redeem us and then say, go. You now, who were once disordered by the blood of Jesus, have been ordered correctly, reordered, recreated. And now my my decree to you is not step out of the way and let your pastors do it. And listen, we've already talked through this. Not... Rather, you go to where there is disorder. By the way, do you know that you're, you're in that job for a reason? That you know that you're in the neighborhood that you're in for a reason? Do we know that we're still living five hours away for a reason? There's some disorganization. There's some disordered lives that we as believers who have been reordered and recreated and redeemed by Jesus have to take that good news that he can do that to them too somewhere where we're at. At your job, at your business, at your school. You can pick any school in the flipping county to go to. I mean, unbelievable why you'd drive that far to go to any school, right? But you can, and you're at the school you're at. You're on the campus that you're on. You're working at the coffee shop. You're drinking. Listen, it is not by mistake. God has called you and created you and redeemed you to go into where there's disorder and bring the gospel that reorders. We have a purpose again. We have a job again. You know what? I love this. Not only that, the things that were once impossible for us are now made possible because of Jesus. You know that we we didn't know him. We didn't love him. We could care less about living with him, and we didn't glorify him. But because of Jesus and the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us, finally, We are able to know him. Our God is knowable. He has made himself knowable. He's made himself, he has made himself knowable to you and to me. And if you're saying, I can't read the Bible, it's really hard. Listen, students, you do math with letters and numbers, okay? I mean, and you can't read Genesis, right? Uh, Some of you are like, man, the Bible's just really hard for me. But yet, you know every baseball player's stats that have ever existed in the Korean League right? But you can't read the book of John, you know? Listen, don't be deceived. You can read it. You can learn it. You can grow in it. God's made himself knowable. I love this in John 17, 3. It says this, Jesus is praying his high priestly prayer, and he says this, and this is eternal life. He describes, he says, that they know you. He's talking to his father, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. He says this, listen, you can know me because of redemption. You can know me. I'm not a mystery. Know me. I'm right there. I gave you a book. It's all about Manuel. Know me. And the more you know me, the more you love me. Listen, you're not just going to love God. The more you know and you grow in his word, the more it will stir your affections and turn your affections to Jesus. And we're all at different places. Can I be honest with you? Some of you guys are going like, man, I've not read my Bible in 67 years. I remember my Nana. Uh, I remember she had this big old family Bible. Just ginormous. Could have been a coffee table, right? Huge. 
And I remember my Nana sitting there, and she goes, it's a good Bible. She goes, don't read it much. And I was like, what? And she goes, about 50 years. And I went, Nana. Now, thankfully, she had another Bible she read, but it horrified me because that's most of us. It's the, it's the best thing you've ever put on your nightstand. And for most of you uh, little influencer girls, uh, listen, it's a great prop for whatever you're putting your uh, camera on to make your Instagram video, okay? You can really pop that thing up and get your little, uh, your hats and get your filters and go, hey, buy this. And so, by the way, if you ever need like essential oils or anything, just talk to my wife. Uh, she's on Instagram. Anyways, and so don't be mad at me, babe. So listen, listen. Our Bible, some of us are at different stages. Some of us have been reading the Bible for, for months and years, and we're still wrestling through it and trying to learn it. Some of us are brand new and go, I have no earthly idea where to start. Every time I get to Leviticus, I get sick. I, I don't know what to do with it. Uh, some of us are going, hey, listen, I, I just need more. What are some re Listen, we want to help you with that all along the way to help you read the Bible more. Because I know this, the more I read and know about God, the more I love and I delight in Him. I love that word, delight. My, my, my heart longs to delight in him. And I cannot do that. I cannot just do that by, by, by uh, going to church on Sundays. I've got to be in the word and dig into it because when I do, I find delight. So we can know him. Oh man, we can love him. And then we can live with him. I love this. Galatians 5 talks about the spirit. I love that it talks about the spirit. I think that's really helpful for us. And, and Pastor Anthony talked about this even a little bit last week. Galatians 5.25 says this, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I, I love that language of keeping in step. Is because this, uh, as we love God and we know God, we begin to walk the way that he walks and we begin to talk the way that he talks. If you don't believe that, if you don't think that's true, just get married, okay? Uh, my wife, listen, I don't, I don't know my big vegetable guy or things that are green. Um, mom, mom would make like broccoli when we were kids, but it was so filled with unhealthy things that it almost masked the broccoli. Uh, it almost like disintegrated somehow. So like we didn't do a lot of that. But you know what happened is that when I walk with my wife and now we've been married uh, for some time, uh, one of the things that's awesome is that I begin to like the things that she likes, and so I like vegetables now. Unbelievable, right? I went to Cracker Barrel the other day, and I was looking at all their menu and all that kind of stuff, and, and I got, like, I came to, it was un like a pasta, and I got, like, baby carrots. And I was sitting there going, that's growth, right? That's what walking side by side, loving and delighting in somebody will do. It'll change your preferences, right? It'll change your preferences. My wife was not a big fan of Walking Dead. Got her. Okay, uh, now listen, it all, and that's because she's stronger than I am. And anything scary, like Wizard of Oz, anything like that, like my wife's watching, and I'm behind, like, it's not like cuddle time. It's me hiding behind, like, a pillow just because I know something's going to jump out. It doesn't matter what it is. My kid's watching Doc McStuffins, and there's, like, a, a jack-in-the-box. I'm sitting there going, I know it's going to happen. So, like, that's not a big deal. But those things happen. Like, we start to do things together, and, and we start to like the same things. I'm, uh, my, you know, one of the things is we're, we're searching for houses. I don't mean to keep bringing it up. I'm still homeless. But here's the thing. One of the things is, is that I've walked with my life, my wife. I love her. I delight in her. I love my wife. And we've lived so much life together, both good and bad, consistent and inconsistent, that you know what? I'm an ambassador right here in Sevier County looking at every house that has ever been built. And I can walk into the house and go, she won't like that. That's good. We'll take that. That's right. I like that. I like that countertops. I don't know. Not enough plugs there. 
No, can't do that. There's a smell. I don't know what the smell is. I couldn't tell you. It's probably just, it's probably not even real. But she smells it. I smell it. We can't do it. Um, and, and I just look through and go, hmm, this land. And so that's what happens. You know what? As we walk more with Jesus, as we know more about Jesus, as we delight more in like, with Jesus and we just love him more, we begin to walk in his ways. And you know what? Can I be honest? It sounds super spiritual when we're talking about walking in the spirit. But can I be honest with you? I'm a pastor, paid professional Christian, and, and can I be honest with you? When I wake up in the morning, my walk with Jesus is like some supernatural thing where I levitate. I'm, I'm still figuring this out. I, dude, I'm 29. I got three kids. You, I got I to gotta ask the Lord to help me. And you know what it looks like for me to walk in the Spirit? It's not me speaking in tongues all the time. That's fine, whatever you want to do. Um, it's not that. It's me this morning. Rolling out of bed, doing my best not to check Instagram first. I like that's my, be- but then I find myself, oh my gosh, I'm a reels. I gotta stop, and I gotta stop. And it's me rolling out of bed, putting my feet on the floor, putting my hands out because not because it makes me more spiritual, but it's a posture that I have to like position myself physically to kind of get there spiritually. You know what I'm saying? I go, God, God, fill me with your Spirit. Help me to walk in the way you designed me. Help me to know you, to love you to live with you, and do whatever I can to glorify you. You know what? I don't pray that for Tuesday. I, don't pr- I didn't pray that this morning for Monday. I just prayed for Sunday. Because there's a time I got to get off this stage. And I got to go eat lunch. I got to live with my mother. I'm 30. I, you know, listen, I- I've got I've to do these things. I've got to live life. But you know what? It's easier for me to pray that prayer because I know him. I know his presence, I know his promises, and I know his truths. It's easier for me to pray that prayer because I've never felt more delight than I do in the Lord. So we walk by the Lord, we walk by faith, and we walk in the Spirit. And then ultimately, that leads to us being able to glorify him, which we've not been able to do since the garden days. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says this, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. That's in a greater context that we ain't got time to get into. But the truth is simple. Whatever we do, we seek the glory of God. And you go, Dominic, how in the world does that make sense? Let me share this quote that John Piper says, and I think it's so good for us to understand this. And so if you're, if you're already zoned out because I made jokes or I'm wearing a hat and you're just, and you're freaked out and I'm preaching. And so like if you just zo- like zoom in or just check right here. John Piper says this, so our existence is about showing God's existence. Our existence is about showing God's existence. Or specifically, it's about showing God's glory. Which, which I think, this is John Piper saying this, which I think God's, is God's manifold perfections. The radiance, the display, the streaming out of many colored, beautiful perfections of God. We want to think and to live and to act and to speak in such a way that we draw attention to the manifold perfections of God. And I think the way we do that best is being totally satisfied in those perfections. Church family, we can glorify him because we are rest and satisfied in him. We are, we are, we are joyful and satisfied. We are content in Christ and Christ alone. And it's only by the redemptive power of Jesus we ever get there in the first place. So what do we do? What do how do we take this away? I'm looking 40 years down the road. How am I going to die? And they go, hey, I don't know why I'm dying. It's, 
70. Uh, but uh, listen, I, I'm looking down the road. How in the world do I get at, at my funeral going, man, this is a man who loves Jesus, was good to his family. How do I get there? It's not by looking 70 years down the road. For us, what do we do? We remember these things. God created you, created me, created us individually and for community. I need you and you need me. That's just how it goes. You can't do this thing solo Rambo style, going in and just uh, beating down the gates of hell. It didn't say that, uh, Travis, the gates of hell won't stand against you. It didn't say, Dominic, the gates of hell won't stand against you. No, it said it won't be able to withstand the church. It's you and me. We've got to band together in community. Not only that, God has given you a purpose and that you can live that in Christ through the Holy Spirit. Not on your own strength. You're going to fail every time. I do it. Fail all the time. In Christ, through the Holy Spirit. So make it a point in 2021 to know him, know his word. I, listen, I preached a little bit of this last time. Know his word. we got to be book people. Read, it, read his word. Listen, there are tools. We are in 2021. You can know anything you want to know about eye surgeries, about chiropractic care. Uh, you can learn everything there is to know about Mars. and the. We have more information than we've ever had, and we are more connected, disconnected as a people from God's word. There are resources out there. Ask me. I'll send them to you give you a reading plan. We need to know God's word because when we know God's word, we know him. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.